As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two! Time of the preacher when the story began of the choice of a lady and the love of a man how he loved her so dearly. He went out of his mind When she left him for someone She left behind Ah, good evening and good morning and uh, good afternoon, if that's when you're listening. Um, welcome once again to the hell show is this. I'm doing Weekly Heroics. Nowadays. That's it, Weekly Heroics. Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV and, and other weird semi-hero comics like this one. Um, so we're all caught up with Preacher. Um, we just did episode five, aired last Sunday. And so we're only going to be doing one episode for you tonight, which is good. Because as I was telling these gents, uh, Christopher Tyler, my regular co-host here, and Brian Hughes, a frequent co-host, um, that I've, hello, hello. I, I've written one of my uh, patented way too freaking long recaps of the show so if you haven't watched it you don't need to after this episode just listen to it and i'll give you every goddamn detail of what happened um some housekeeping first i guess though we should all cheer that uh as of today um preacher has been picked up for a second season already yeah so um it's gonna be 10 episodes this season but it's been renewed for 13 next season so fucking a um also, despite what I, I had promised myself, I actually um, got some copies of the comics and have started reading them again, and I'm up to about issue 29. And, uh, man, I don't know. What's your guys' opinion? I think they well, – you said you've never read it, right, Brian? No, Brian? I haven't read it. Um, it's okay. You're in a safe place here, man. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to read it. <laughs> you know, it's I, like, I would... it's like uh, with Lord of the Rings. I – I had read part of one of the books before they came out, and I said, wait a minute, I want to hold off here. Yeah. And so watching the movie, I was then able to go back and read the books and, and just get a larger appreciation for them. It's like, you know, a director's cut or something. I almost, know, yeah, I almost wish I hadn't, but, I mean, I'm enjoying the comics again, and, and there's a lot of differences, and I, I honestly think the TV show has improved upon them. I think it's more just more coherent and a lot more backstory going on. I think I said this last week, didn't I? Anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> they're definitely doing that. Um, 
and they're trying to introduce as much as possible all from the start. They're not just, you know, it, here's small town preacher. It's here's small town preacher. Here's violent backstory. Here's the saint of killers. Here's the angels. Here's what, you know, yeah. all at the same time. Uh, there was a lot of exposition, like conversation in the comics and there's a lot in the show too, but um, that's mostly where you kind of got your backstory was the, the main characters talking amongst each other, but they, uh, we get to see a little more of it in action, uh, particularly a great Saint of Killers scene this week. Um, so let's begin with that, I guess. Uh, we open in Ratwater in the 19th century with our mysterious cowboy friend, and he's slowly entering the town. He goes to the general store slash apothecary, I suppose, to get his child's medicine, and is told he'll have to wait until tomorrow. Does not make him happy, to say the least. Uh, past the time, he goes to the local saloon, gets himself a nice bottle of whiskey, and a uh, man is selling scalps, uh, presumably of maybe the people that the cowboy found murdered on the road on his way into Ratwater before. He sits and drinks, listens to a man who's telling a joke about Noah's Ark, which ends with the punchline, I'm sorry, Lord, but after 40 days and nights, I just can't stop stroking my cock. Which, rooster, rooster. Right, well, no, he said cock. <laughs> I'm pretty sure is the first time that phrase has probably been said on primetime TV. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Did y'all catch the 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 sign for the the livery livery library? I don't know what you call that. Was it hex? I couldn't really tell. Oh, I couldn't make it out either. I'll have that. Eagle-eyed viewers, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of more housekeeping, we actually do have a email address. Um, so why don't we do that right now? Um, once I can pull up the Facebook chat window and remember what the hell it was. <laughs> I think it was just weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. We'll see. figure it out. It'll be in the show notes. Nope. Weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. Yep, Never so. mind. It won't be in the show notes. Listen nope. up. Nope. So, uh, yeah, email us with anything we might have missed or comments or questions or insults, whatever. <laughs> Dirty pictures. Oh, dirty jokes, especially. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. Whatever. Just email us. We're needy. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah. The next day, uh, Santa Killers picks up his medicine and heads back towards home. On the way, he passes a wagon, and he realizes, I think it's the family he was kicking it with at the campfire, wasn't it, with a little kid? Uh, uh, that family, yeah, he's. they're heading into Ratwater. They go to Ratwater, and... Uh, they're, they're the ones that are selling the scalps. Yeah, yeah. And so he follows him back to try to put an end to that and gets beat up for his troubles, almost loses medicine. I think he went back for the – I don't think it was that – that wasn't the reason why he went back. He went back because they – a couple of the varmints there had uh, killed a guy and uh, raped his wife while they right. made the kid watch. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what set him off. Yeah, I remember him, him – here but he saw the other family going and realized they were heading for the same thing. Going to a shit place. Right, right. Yeah, so, but then he, uh, outside of the saloon, he meets the man who was telling the joke earlier, and he uh, mentions he recognizes him from the Battle of Gettysburg. And I think, I guess it was presumed that maybe the, the saint was a rebel and the other guy was Union. I didn't quite The, the, the saint of killers was a Confederate soldier. Right. And he pulls a gun on him and ruthlessly shoots his horse dead. Which, you know, that just wasn't cool. I'm calling PETA. Uh, <laughs> kill as many humans as you want, man. Just leave the fucking animals alone. I, I'm just a softy that way. Uh, the cowboy walks home to obviously find his wife and child dead and being feasted upon by crows. And into the gun closet he goes. 
to gather some um, unforgiven Clint Eastwood type implements of destruction, and uh, that remains to be seen what he's going to do with those. But can't it, imagine. I think we can figure that out. Back to the present day, we've got Mr. Sheriff Root is investigating some sounds in his yard. Eugene goes up to his room to find it has been vandalized and graffiti drawn on the walls, telling me he should finish the job, and referring to the shotgun leaning against the wall and uh, his earlier failed suicide attempt. Dad accuses him of going to Tracy's again, the girl who uh, fell off the horse, and he apologizes. And uh, if, if I, am I just dim, or we're still not sure what has happened between Arseface and that family? It's been, like, hinted at. But... Yeah, they haven't specifically said anything. Because yeah. um, uh, the Loach, Mother Loach calls him a murderer later on, but yeah. we don't know what that's in regards to. No, I mean, unless... Um, unless they're bringing in the backstory in the comics where it was Arseface and his buddy... That decided to both kill themselves, right. Mir- mirroring the thing that the uh, the two kids in the eighties did, re Judas Priest, yeah, um, which is where that story kind of comes from. Um, so I'm assuming that's the you know the murdered person. So is maybe that be was Tracy's friend. brother, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that would make sense. Very good. <clears throat> um, anyway, we cut to Jesse and Emily hanging out in the diner discussing some church stuff, and she asks him about uh, Odin Quincannon's. Um, surprising, you know, conversion uh, the previous week in church. Several people in the diner thank him for the sermon and invite him to join them and asking him, like, Bible trivia. Uh, Jesse seems to be becoming kind of a rock star as far, you know, as far as small-town preachers go, and i, I got to think there's a little supernatural reason for that, and not just that they think he's a really good preacher. <laughs> I don't you know. know the way I Jesse never wanted to hang acting, out with my my. The way my Jesse reverence. was acting there was... Yeah, no. But the way Jesse was acting there, it made me think of The Flash in that episode after he was in the Speed Force, where he just was over-brimming with confidence, you know? Yeah, nice, yep. He was just glowing from, you know, what he'd done in front of everybody. It's, you know, it's like that that kid right after he lost his virginity, he's walking around, he's, you know, walking around like a man, you know? And that's (laughs) kind of what Jesse's feeling in him right there. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's, he's finally feeling that yeah. he's doing some good, maybe, which is, you know, the, the trip he's on. So, but yeah, it's going to his head a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, cut to Tulip and Cassidy. Uh, great scene here. And he, um, you know, we've got just Cassidy laying in the bed and Tulip kind of looking at him from the doorway. And, and he basically just says, go ahead and ask. And then Tulip gives him the rundown of the you know, standard vampire questions, you know, do you like crosses, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, Cass answers. Yeah, rather, I love that scene. Yeah, rather sarcastically. Yeah. It was perfect, you know. It was just the, the way it would, would go down between those two characters. Um, so that's, you know, out on the table. And, and Tulip obviously knows what he's all about and doesn't seem that surprised that a real-life vampire <laughs> is in her presence. Um, she tells him to leave. Uh, Cass asks if she knows where to get some drugs in a hardware store. Uh, he also asks her about the kiss in the car uh, and tell her, tells her that he's actually falling for her. Uh, she tells him that she has a boyfriend, and, and Cass kind of, which it kind of confused me for a minute, but I, I realized then that we haven't met, you know, Cass, Jesse, and Tulip have not been in the same room together yet. So it's, it's obvious that Cassidy doesn't know that Jesse is the boyfriend in question. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to get awkward later. Uh, <laughs> 
Tulip runs down. Oh yeah, um, Cass asks her about the kiss, as I said, and he kind of goes about you know deconstructing. It's like, well, why isn't your boyfriend doing this? And and he he empathizes with her when she tells him the uh, the whole Carlos story. And uh, basically makes it sound like, well, you know, if your boyfriend was any kind of man, he would leave with you and go get revenge. So you can see that's working on her. Um, she eventually gets mad, though, and, uh, you know, storms away. We uh, we visit Donnie and his wife, and uh, Donnie is feeling a bit lethargic and depressed uh, since his encounter with Jesse. His wife tells him that uh, the South will rise again, which is actually the title of our episode, and he needs to get over it. And go to work, and we get a charming anecdote about Donnie's days as a knocker in the Quincannon Slaughterhouse, which I'm assuming is the guy that plunges the bolts. Bolts through the heads. Yeah, the old uh, no councils, or yeah, no country for old men murder method. (laughs) I love that. Uh, His wife threatens to go fuck one of his coworkers if he doesn't get out of bed and go to work, which uh, apparently motivates Donnie. Jumping around a lot in this this episode, we we, yeah. we zip right over to Fiore and DeBlanc, who are rehearsing what they're going to say when they pick up the Heavenly <laughs> Hotline, which has been ringing nonstop in the background. And another hilarious scene of, you know, just you know, DeBlanc being like, "You're the one they like up there. You've got to get. You've got to answer the phone. Just keep practicing." And he, I just love that. It's a slight, massive security breach. <laughs> yeah, slight. <laughs> so, no, not slight at all. It's just massive. Just massive. Just say massive. Yeah. And it just, yeah, reminded me of a Monty Python scene. It was fucking beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, where are we? And that's a really short scene. Then we zip over to Emily, who walks into Jesse's house and uh, picks up the collection money and folds some of his clothes that uh, that have been left on the floor. And I actually saw one, one person do a review. I think it was the Variety Review. They just ended it with like, oh, Emily, honey, he's never going to be with you. Give it up. Not even if you fold his clothes. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think she's obviously carrying a torch for Jesse, despite she's the fact she's the dragging the mayor. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, small town. You, you get to lay where you can sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, she goes in to take a pee, which is something you also don't see on primetime TV much. But a nice long pee for Emily. Oh my God! And, I know. Uh, yeah, this, a woman in a drink. This show is making day. a career. <laughs> this show's making a career out of bodily function. Why not? You know, would, would you expect anything less from Seth Rogen and company? <laughs> really? Um, or from Garth Ennis. <laughs> yeah, or from Garth Ennis, indeed. Uh, got a character named Arseface. That's pretty much sets the bar right there. They didn't really they didn't call them that, though. No, well, uh, what uh, Cassidy did once, basically, just, you know... Well, he, he has to call himself Arseface if we're going by the, the comics. You know, he has to be the one to declare, I shall become Arseface. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm anxiously awaiting. Uh, anyway, Tulip busts in while poor Emily is peeing. She pinches it off for a second and gets confronted in the bathroom, <laughs> asking where Jesse is, and Emily is notably upset, uh, but Tulip storms off. Eugene is making breakfast for his dad, who is glumly sitting with his head in his hands, and uh, Ars face tries to be helpful and noisily cuts up his food. I'll tell you what, I wanted him to go shoot himself uh, with that cutting up the food scene. They just made a real point of scraping against the plate. and That arm looked, looked awesome, though. I yeah. Eaten it. yeah, man. Uh, but, uh, you know, Sheriff Root is, is not having a good day. Uh, but Dad blows up and tells him he wishes he would have finished the suicide job, too, and Eugene notably walks out devastated. At Quinn Cannon Meet and Power, Odin is speaking to the mayor and apologizing for the whole pissing in the briefcase thing. <laughs> <laughs> More bodily functions. 
Odin tells him he's ready to make a deal with Green Acre and tells him to set up a meeting. He's, he's, you know, visibly more animated and happy, and we're led to believe it's because he's serving God now, whatever that means to him. Donnie is there uh, watching kind of in disbelief, and he kind of connects the dots that Jesse must have used his powers on Odin, too, and he asks him about it. And he's just like, I'm just, I, he told me to serve God, and I will from this day forward. I'm just so loving Jackie or like Earl Haley in this part. He's just, yes. yeah. it's such a subtle role, but man, he just, he's nailing well, the accent. Well, it's subtle now. It's not a subtle well, character right. yeah, in the it's comic. Go, well, it started to go off the rails at the end of this episode. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to as much of him as they want to give us in this show. Um, yeah, so Jesse is making the rounds, listening to the townspeople's problems, um, you know, and, and doing it happily now, um, unlike the poor bastard that he sent to cut out his heart in front of his mother in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he's using the word to fix some minor issues around, around the town, so he's flexing his power a little bit. Tulip interrupts uh, right in front of about a dozen people and uh, info dumps about some of Jesse's less than holy activities and a hilarious story about him shooting a Komodo dragon in the head where it's basically like, you know, they were going to eat that goddamn dragon anyway. She's like, you don't know that. It's like they had a barbecue spit set up, you know, (laughs) and it was just, yeah, good, good chemistry between those two. Um, so she tries to convince the town that he's a bad man and he, he tries to get her to believe that he's changed and that she can be good too. And that everyone wants to be good. Don't they? She ain't having it. Uh, and the people have almost a desperate desire to be in Jesse's presence. Like he gets up to leave for a second and one woman's like, you're coming right back, right? <laughs> you know, so, uh, there's something going on with Genesis. That's like also attracting people to him, I think. Well, Eugene shows up and, you know, uh, the the waitress is like, there's something outside that wants to talk to you and keep him away from the windows, <laughs> bastard. And tells the preacher about what happened with his dad, begs him to help his dad's pain. Um, again, we get hints that uh, Eugene's connected with Tracy Roach, and I think you nailed it, Hero. That didn't even occur to me for some reason that it would have been his brother um, that he shot himself with. But I think that's got to be it. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jesse goes to Tracy's mother to, and she asks him to pray with, uh, Tracy again. She notices Eugene there and goes bat shit and goes after him with a bat and calls him a murderer. <laughs> and Jesse uses the word, tells her to drop it and, uh, makes her forgive our face. And she embraces him with a bunch of stunned town people looking on. We found out uh, a little more of how awful a person Donnie's wife is, Lady Macbeth, anyone. <laughs> and and he confides in her about Jesse's power and his experience uh, with the gun in the mouth and the fun in the bathroom and all that good stuff. And he breaks down and begs her not to screw his coworker. She assures him that she won't, and uh, he'll have his moment, and Jesse will suffer. And we get a quick scene of Tulip sitting alone in the car. She puts on a ski mask and walks towards the pharmacy, and I think we could see where that was going. Mm-hmm. The editing is a little all over the place in this episode, man. Doing the recap was like, wow, they're just bouncing everywhere. Yeah, they... um, which I guess works, but I don't know. Said like the, the Tulip scene in the car, that just seemed a little out of place. A couple of them just seemed like, they're just very short scenes, and it's almost like, well, where do we put this? They have to go somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I only watched it once, but I was totally captivated. 
Yeah, cool. I, I'm, I'm I'm so sucked in on this show. Yeah, me too. When I'm watching it, I see when I get into recap mode, I just I'm pausing and, and going back and writing and yeah, uh, it's it's not the the pure experience of watching it the first time, but um, yeah, I agree with you, Brian. It just it seemed I think it was more out of place said as I was breaking it down chronologically. Uh, we're back to DeBlanc and Fior still trying to psych themselves out to answer the heaven bat phone, and just before they do, it stops ringing, of course. Um, I guess it doesn't have call return on it. Yeah. Tulip finds Cassidy at the strip club and gives him a gift of painkillers, and he asks if this means if they're going steady, and she says, no, even better, they're in love. And we cut to angry, yet uninteresting, apparently, on Tulip's part, back of the car sex, which I honestly did not see coming, because it didn't happen that way in the comics. Nope. Straight away. Um, there was kind of a little love triangle thing going on eventually, but uh, nothing like just taking her from behind in the car. So got to give a nod of the dot for the cap to AMC for going there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she looked really uninterested, man. That was that yeah. was a harsh face. Cassidy's lucky yeah. you didn't see that one in the window. <laughs> I don't think you would have cared. No, no probably True. not. I'm a little True more buzzkill. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm more of a gentleman. I, I like that. You know, if I saw that look on my lover's face, it'd probably be about it for for John Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> the rise in the middle of things or not. <laughs> I like constant encouragement. Um, <laughs> Okay, oh good my! Good to Sarah's now with us tonight. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you're real lucky Beth is not with us today. <laughs> anyway, DeBlanc and uh, Fior finally found uh, find Jesse at the diner uh, thanks to Sheriff Root. Sit down to have a little chat. They still think the drugs and money were for Jesse, and don't realize that Cassidy just went off and binged. Uh, they admit they are from heaven and scold him for using the power. Uh, Fjord breaks out the coffee can. Jesse is amused. He mentions he never heard of God fitting inside a can of old timer. But they inform him, finally, that what is inside him is not God. And we, um, yeah, so that's out there. And we cut to Odin and his meeting with several Green Acre representatives. Pleasantries are exchanged and drinks are poured, and when he has them at ease, the shotgun shells are fired, and he murders a lot of them. And he just says, yep, and we fade to black. So so that's episode five, and a wild ride was had by all. <laughs> yeah, very wild ride on this one. Um, yeah, definitely playing around with the, uh, the timeline for a lot of stuff, but not to its detriment, I don't think. And um, it, it's... You know, we're halfway through this season. They do at this point. You, you got to realize Jesse has to start cottoning on to, you know, the wider world that's out there. Um, you know, if they, I was going to be very upset if they didn't get him to the point where he's finding out exactly what's going on. Yeah. You know, if that was going to be the last episode of season one, that would be a lot of build up. Yeah, it's not uh, looking that way though. No, no, stuff needs to start uh, kind of rolling along here. I mean. It's a finite series in the comics, so they, they know where their end point is going to be. So, you know, pacing needs to start ramping up. And there's only ten episodes in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still surprised that they've kind of dumped as much info and mythology as they have already. I'm very happy about it, but I kind of thought they'd leave 
even more ambiguous as far as the heaven stuff, but nope, they're fucking diving right in. And, you have to. Yeah. I don't think you could dangle it out too much longer. Well, they they probably didn't know till really recently that they were getting a second season. So, I mean, AMC tends to greenlight stuff really quickly. I mean, like, Fear the Walking Dead got a third season, like, before the second one even started, you know? And it's, uh... Yeah. So the, the, they, they show a lot of confidence in their shows. Um, so that's cool. I, I gotta say, I actually when the the opening came up and they and we were in the cowboy story, and that ran a little longer than I expected it to. You know, you yeah. don't expect it to to go on so long, but I was just stuck on there. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, at one point I just turned to my wife and I'm like, you know, I I really wouldn't mind if they kept on this for the right, yeah. whole episode almost. Now I'm almost it, thinking they're going to save him till season two. I'm thinking there's going to be a slow build up on his origin, and maybe we'll meet him last episode or something like that. Oh, oh, I could totally see the end of the first season being his introduction to the yeah, modern world. Ooh, I think yeah, it's got to go down that way. Um, yeah, you got to figure next season we're going to get full exposition on what Genesis is from Fiorin. I think you're going to get that this season. I think you have to. Yeah, they're next sitting episode, down meeting I, with him. Yeah. And then presumably Jesse's probably going to use the word to tell them go fuck themselves, and he's going to decide to go on his little quest once he learns that uh, God is taking a little sabbatical. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to keep. Uh, <laughs> I said I, I half regret that I started reading the comic skin and, and half don't because I, I I've forgotten so much of it, and now I just like want to see it all. <laughs> And yep. uh, I don't know how they're going to get to some places with this show. Um, when I said the Wait, stuff stuff like our spaces. You, you say God has taken a sabbatical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I spoilers. Mean, well, does that mean he's in New Jersey playing skee-ball? He might be. No, it's yeah, not, with, with it's not Kevin Smith's God. This is, <laughs> no. this is lapsed, lapsed Irish Catholic. Uh, yeah, he's a much bigger <laughs> asshole than that God. God. Yeah. <laughs> Much bigger asshole. Actually, I don't think. I'm sorry, I, I I interrupted your comment on our space. Oh no, just um, I'm up to about uh, issue thirty, and we haven't even seen Odin Quinn Cannon yet in the comics, and um, we just got done with a little bit of the our space. Uh, so, as I said last week, a lot of these characters that we've met in Anvil don't show up till they're on the road, you know, yeah. in the comics. Uh, but I think they've handled it pretty pretty deftly. Yeah, um, I'm all in. Uh, you know, I'm an easy, so easy mark. So, did they show Odin blowing away the Green Anchor people in the comic? No, this is to- whole from whole cloth for yeah. the show. Yeah, it's, uh, I haven't even got to him again, and I don't remember <clears throat> enough of it. Uh, Odin Quinn Cannon. That was balls out crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's right crazier there. in the comic. Uh, so, uh, does Odin think that he's God, and so therefore he's serving no. himself? I'm not uh, sure. With the name Odin. Yeah, I'm not really uh, sure he, where they're going with that. <laughs> His comic book uh, version is um, he looks a little bit more like Dr. Savannah. And yeah. um, let's just put it this way um, he's into buggery, well, animal. Yeah, no surprise. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, and. Um, his god in the comics, well, the thing that he would worship was like a giant, um, like. Meat. Meat. Creature, sex doll <laughs> yeah. thing made for carcasses. So, if they're gonna go there, I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't either at this point with this show. Uh, you know, but uh, it, Odin is um, is a is a very disturbed individual in the in the comics. So, so Jesse would have been better off saying "Serve Jesus" rather than saying "Yes, yes, yeah." That, you know, okay. <laughs> I said once again, a lot of this show is going to be. Well, I'm sure some of his little his counseling in town is going to start caving in on itself too. That he's yeah. he's using the. Uh, the word uh, a little focusing too Focusing on that one where he says, use your best judgment to the Yeah, parents. yeah, never, yeah. You really got to yeah. be a little more specific than that, Jesse. Yeah, it's really, it is the monkey's paw powered. You, yeah. you have to be very specific. Yep, and I'm sure a DeBlanc and Fjord are going to school. They scolded him for using it too much already. But uh, and I said, I think he's not going to listen to him and probably use it on them and send them packing and um, yeah. go do his own thing. Uh, or things are just going to get really weird, and uh, yeah, we, we, there's a lot of weirdness to come. <laughs> I, I said uh, my my prediction is for the saint to show up in the last episode, um, but who knows? And they've been rolling right along. There's four more, well, five more in in the season, so a lot could happen. Yeah, <laughs> be interesting to. It, I'm looking forward to seeing what the the Tulip Cassidy. Jesse dynamic is after the the whole angry car sex thing. I don't know if that'll I'm, come to light or not. But I'm gonna guess that that that's not gonna be spoken of. Yeah. Until it needs to come back at a later point, uh, yeah. where it would have naturally happened in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of ways to play with the time frame, though. I think. I yeah, gotta but... say though, I am tired of seeing people on the toilet. <laughs> It just seemed to be a lot. It just seemed to have a urination. It's just a personal thing. It's in just... this show, we've had at least good four scenes in a toilet in this show so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just of a toilet, but of bodily functions in action. I know. Yeah. I mean, what's more erotic than a woman going to the bathroom? Uh, well, that's yeah. Unfortunately, that's like that was going through my mind. At the, it doesn't do much for me to be honest with you, but that was going through my mind that the. There's some fetishist out there that's just fucking loving this, right? I think it's more the fact that, <laughs> well, for, you know, uh, the little assistant there, she thought she was all alone, yeah. being with the door open, and you're never more vulnerable than when you're going to the bathroom. No. And here comes, strolls up Tulip, who just doesn't care. Yeah, and she even closes yeah. the door for her, though, when she leaves, though, so that was nice. <laughs> she slides the door shut, and, and Emily, you know, proceeds to keep pissing. Her amazing stream of urine. I, I you know, I, I've lived with enough women that I, I know how women pee, and that was a little exaggerated. I, I, I gotta say. Um, no, it's not. Oh well, yeah. she drank a lot of coffee that day. That's all I'm saying. What's the word I'm looking for? Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Spending far too much time on urine in this podcast. <laughs> Moving on. So I don't think. Given that we're Go seeing ahead. people piss and 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 fucking cars, doggy style, and vampires drinking hospital blood supplies, I don't think there's too much that they're they're not going to go for in this, and that that makes me happy. Um, you know, it is a network of The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and all that good stuff, and if nothing they else, they like talk uh, to standards and practices. I, I don't think, yeah, I think they've, there's some bribes going on. They're just like, leave us alone. Well, it's on at 10 I, o'clock, right? I don't right? think it's that. I, I, just, I just think that because, no. That's at 9. 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8 o'clock yeah. here. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I, that's I not even past that... the – maybe the FCC rule – the FCC rules used to be that after 11, you could literally do every anything, network or not. You know, well, you can a do lot it people... at any time. You just have to have a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, and that's – yeah, AMC loves those. You're never going to see it on – the broadcast channels, ABC, NBC, Fox, right. and CBS. No. But once you go to the other ones, regardless of how widespread they are, they have a lot more leeway on what they're going to you know, be able to put out there. Yeah. I still find – see, I still can't wrap my head around like the concept of cable as much. When I grew up, cable was just HBO. You know, You had your regular channels and then cable was the paid channels, but now cable is – everything but your local shit and they can get away with a lot <laughs> well you know even when i was a kid and cable was you know starting up and and there was hbo it was only on for like six hours a yeah. day yeah that's right yeah and you know it's like it had, it had that six to 10 p.m that was just a block of the movies maybe some videos and stuff and then afterwards they'd show the adult stuff oh yeah yeah, it's the time to send. Yeah, kids my parents bed. always went to bed early. I loved it. But now you know you can get up at you can get up at ten in the morning or one in the afternoon, turn on the TV, and whoop, there's somebody humping. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> golden it age. All changed. You gotta wonder if uh, like daily, you know, network soap operas have upped their game a little bit and made things a little. They were always racing to begin with, but you got to mm-hmm. think to compete that they're showing some side. Oh, there's got to be, you know, there's, if there's still 65 year old women in the world, there's soap operas. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there is some, cause uh, you know, it's like my wife, she leaves the TV on during the day, always on, on Fox and I'll walk by and every now and then you see that, that crappy videotape looking TV show uh-huh. and people being overly dramatic. And so, you know, it's either an episode of Jerry Springer or it's one of those soap right. operas. I'm not. I'm not too ashamed to admit that I watched Guiding Light for about three years too, because well, was I was a Days fan. Only yeah. fucking channel I had for a while. <laughs> you that, guys are some serious sick son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Days of Our Lives is good stuff. Guiding Light started to get. Guiding Light actually was the one that had a crossover with Marvel Comics at one point. I think it was. They made fucking. You gotta be kidding. <laughs> no, they made Harley a superhero for a, like a few episodes or something. Yeah, Google Guiding Light and Marvel Comics sometime. It's freaking hilarious and very sad also. Um, yeah, I think she actually made it into print, too, somehow. Uh, I wonder what the value of that one is. <laughs> <laughs> Nil. Yeah, probably. It actually takes money out of your collection. Right <laughs> yeah, <now>. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. You guys got anything else? Uh, we've made some predictions and just... Still enjoying. Well, like it. I said, I, I could see a whole episode of the Cowboy. Um, yeah, uh, I'm guarantee that that will be when they lay out all his backstory. That's guarantee. You that's what it'll be. I'm hoping they they got to keep with it. We're we're gonna get a little piece of him every episode. I think from from this point <laughs> on, and I gotta think. Uh, yeah, pretty soon we're gonna be learning how he he ascended to being more than just a regular old cowboy. And yeah. Um, that's going to be some good stuff. We won't spoil that though if you haven't watched that because um, he's a uh, he's a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. Man, the guy they got to play that part too is—I mean, he looks more like Eastwood in the comics, but I, I really like where they went with with this guy. And, yeah, I, I love Graham McTavish. Anytime yeah. you see him pop up in something, he's great. He almost looks like Alan Moore as the Saint of Killers. It's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. 
And it's funny because, I mean, he was in the, the Hobbit movies and they shrink him down. I forgot how he's a big son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the hat's probably doing some of the work, but good Lord. He looks like he re- almost really did step off the page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they just nailed the casting in this. I, I don't know. I'm not as enamored with, like, I, Tulip feels like she's spinning her wheels. I guess she has to. But <laughs> I almost think they could have brought her in a little later. Comic. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like it that, that we got introduced to, like, Cassidy and her separately. And, you know, he wasn't just, they didn't kind of arrive together. Um, it looks like they'll, you know, she's probably next time she, she's Jesse, she'll have him in tow and he'll realize that they they know each other too but um mm-hmm. i don't know she feels like her plot's just been kind of spinning its wheel she's kind of doing the same thing every every episode now which is just badgering jesse into you know coming with her and dealing with the carlos revenge thing um but you know hopefully she'll have plenty to do eventually that's for sure i think that's fair to say that there will be plenty <laughs> going yeah. on with that okay now i we're about to get into some spoiler territory, <laughs> but can either of you tell me what the um, the mission statement is, or is that something we should discuss at all? Uh, Scott's already kind Are of said it. God is on a sabbatical. Yeah, yeah, I don't recall exactly how the whole comic series was resolved. Honestly, I don't even remember that much. I, I do. Um, I, I won't killed spoil. a lot of brain cells in the 90s, guys. Yeah. I just want to put that the, out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the mission statement is uh, Jesse has this power, and I'm sure in the next episode we'll find out why he has it. Um, God's not sitting on the throne anymore. Yeah. And uh, Jesse decides it's time that somebody answer for that. Yeah, so he's, he's off to... To make him accountable, or he will be off eventually. And yeah, he, he finally is going to get, I'm sure once Fjorn DeBlanc explain exactly what Genesis is, is that he'll he'll start to realize that he's actually probably more powerful than God at this point, yeah. is the case in the comics. So, um, yeah, yeah, so just that could go lots of places, needless to say. Yeah, and the, the show is going to be going <laughs> places, uh, especially since they've already dangled it out at you um, with Jesse's father and Jesse's actual backstory of even before he met Tulip and had a life of crime. Yeah. Uh, which is really yeah. the probably the my favorite part of the entire series. I haven't read uh, anything <clears throat> about um, any casting as far as his, his grandmother, TC and was it TC? Jody. Jody. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I'm sure whoever they get will be awesome. It'll be just, yeah, batshit fucking. Oh my God. You know what? Um, who's that? <laughs> Stephen Lang should be. Uh, oh, that TC. would be. Oh my God. That would be great. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Stephen Jody Lang could read the phone anyway. book and it'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he's the original Freddie Lowndes from Manhunter. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just like that blew my mind. I'm like, that sniveling little shit became the Colonel from Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like every time I saw him in something, it was, and he was also the the uh, Clanton guy in uh, yes. Gunsmoke. I mean, at Gunsmoke. Um, Tombstone. Yeah. Tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I realized that was the same guy that was in Avatar, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Right. He is. That is a character actor par excellence. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think we need to start a is, writing campaign to AMC right now. <laughs> well, isn't he already perfectly cast for Cable? He's too yeah. old for Cable. He probably is. Sorry, but I think he would rock it. But, he's but I, I think maybe he's thinking he's too old, and 
Yeah, they'll definitely. He's already done. Yeah. He's already done that part basically Pretty much. in Avatar. <laughs> yeah, and totally. somehow he's going to be back in the next Avatar, which I, I, I you know. At I, this point, not. I'm pretty certain that the, the speaking of supernatural and religious themed things, I'm pretty sure that if Avatar two and three ever get made, the apocalypse will happen directly afterwards, uh, because it's just kind of a joke <laughs> at this point. So we're not getting the twenty. 20- <laughs> We're not getting to 2020 is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. I just uh, I don't think we'll ever see Avatar 2 or 3. I think fucking James Cameron has gone insane, quite frankly. Because um, he's even talked about doing like a fourth and fifth one at this point. It's like, uh, yeah. dude, dude, you might want to get started on number two first. <laughs> well, he's, he's right now developing his technology. New technology for new things. Whatever. I want to see the man make another fucking movie in my lifetime. You know, I love Jim Cameron, but I don't necessarily. That's all I'm ever going to see from him from now on is the rest of the Avatar movies. And that saddens me. (laughs) Well, go to YouTube and look up Xenogenesis and you'll see the first thing he ever made. Xenogenesis. Oh, I Xenogenesis. All right, cool. And Piranha too. Yeah, Piranha I remember, but... uh, But he got locked out of the editing room on that one. He got kicked off the the lot. I'm sure he was just like an AD or something, though, on it, wasn't he? He wasn't the director. he was originally the director, and he got fired. So it was a Roger Corman joint, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it was yeah, gone over budget. <laughs> and then, of course, he did all the battle, the art direction of Battle Beyond the Stars and Galaxy of Terror. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, shit. Both of which I watched very, very recently. Yeah, yeah, Battle, battle Beyond the Stars. James Horner did the soundtrack. Oh, that's right. And you can hear a lot of Wrath of Khan in there. And I, I love that. You can hear a lot of Wrath of Khan in almost all of his that's scores. totally one of my guilty pleasures. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I could listen to it anyway. You know? Oh, yeah. Wrath of Khan is one of my favorite soundtracks. Yeah. That uh, I play when I don't need to hear hear any voices. Yeah. See, I, I'm not... <laughs> not that I hear voices. I'm not a huge soundtrack guy, generally. Not like Scott Gardner is, man. I Sometimes I don't even, you know... I guess if it's good enough, I don't even notice it, you know? I mean, obviously, the, the masters like Williams and, and, and Wrath of Khan and Horner stand out. But for some reason, I... Like Honeywell amazes me. He he will be listening. We'll do a garage shell glow, and he's got his iPod full of freaking soundtracks. And if I don't hear my Superman soundtrack while we're out and about, it's a it's a it's a bad day. But Daft Punk, Tron Legacy, yeah, great 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 soundtracks. Definitely, I could I could just listen to that one forever. But that fucker can listen to like the Indiana Jones, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark soundtrack, and and say exactly what scene mm-hmm. is going on. It's just like, wow, man, a good score will do. Oh, yeah, that. I, yeah, that's that's <laughs> well, yeah, like the Matara Nebula. Too. I would know Matara Nebula, you know, obviously. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like as my friends and I would sit around and listen to Wrath of Khan soundtrack. We'd be sitting there saying the lines as they're, as they actually would be happening during the point in the song in the in the in the, in the music. Uh, it's you know I mean it, you just know it so well. Of course, you know Wrath of Khan like the back of your hand. Even just his arrangement so of uh, Amazing Grace at the end of it, it's like yeah, oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. Well, I think we should wrap it up. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Tyler has a thing. So um, Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Don't talk about my thing. You have a, a Chevy Chase thing. You know, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, You're not being What's ball, wrong? Really. Everybody should have a thing. <laughs> yes, I do. It's called editing this podcast. And we'll say goodnight for another week of uh, Weekly Heroics. And we're all caught up. We'll be back with Episode 6 of Preacher next week. And uh, very More soon fun. we'll have the actual podcast itself out and about i promise once I, boot. once i boot myself in the ass and 
get the artwork done and all that good stuff. I've been slacking, I admit it, and uh, That's all I right. apologize. But uh, hopefully you all are enjoying this. We're enjoying doing it for you. And uh, So, gents, thank you again, and we'll talk to you next week. You got it. Adios. It's time for some thrilling heroics, a brand new podcast on twotruefreaks.com. Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western, and that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job, they said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side, not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TutuFreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. Yeah, da, 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 da.